Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I, uh, man, what a, what a wonderful Sunday. First of all, I get to baptize kids, and now I get to talk to you. I have a secret that I want to share with everybody, and there's only one person in the world that knows said secret, and she is not here. Okay, cool. Okay, good. Mom, if you're here, wave your hands. Okay, anyways, when I was a kid, and let me qualify kid, it was usually, it, it really started at age 9, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way to 18, maybe 25. Anyways, when I lived at home, here's a secret, I was a first class brat. I would have not liked me as the kid's pastor. Matter of fact, she just walked in. So, everybody say hi, Mom. All right, anyways, so what would happen is I would sneak into my mom and dad's room and steal my dad's socks. Now, here's why. One, I was a preteen and I never washed my clothes and I didn't want to wash my clothes. His clothes were always clean, so I stole them. Number two, his feet, although he was a monster of a man, he had the same size feet. And I was like, that's, that's direction from God. I need to steal his socks. And so what I would do is I'd sneak in and I'd steal his socks. Now, if I got caught, the man was a beast. He had arms the size of my thighs and no neck. And so God blessed me with a defense mechanism. It was superhuman hearing. Back in the I'm not going to date that. I did that first service. I'm not going to say that. Back in those days, people wore key rings. Come on, somebody testify. Big key rings on these stupid little clippy things. And if you're really high speed, you got the ones, right? Well, he had that key ring and he had every known key to every door in Valley County. I grew up in Cascade. And he could open anything with those stupid keys. But you know what? As soon as I heard this, Cha-ching, cha-ching. I'd be like, boom, gone. Like a flash, because I knew I had less than 10 seconds to vacate before the wrath came. So as I was preparing for this message in Romans chapter 5, I asked Keith to give me Romans chapter 8. He said, <laughs> no. Anyways, so Romans chapter 5, the only thing I could think about when I was preparing for this was those stupid keys. And here's why. Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, all are the keys to open up 5. 5 is the key to open up the next set of chapters. And what we're going to do, and by the way, you guys, I've prayed, God, please help me to be a little bit more monotone because I get fired up. So just know, one guy came to me after first service and he goes, Vaughn, I'm going to have to rewind and play that message on a slower mode to be able to take notes. So just know that that, thank, thank the Lord for online services. So, here's the deal. When I look at Romans chapter 5, we need to use some of the keys that Keith has already unlocked. For example, let's all get on the same sheet of music. If I were to say the word justification, we should have a basic understanding of it, right? So Peter is this big brain pan kind of guy. He uses big words that most of us, even today, were like, I need a thesaurus or a dictionary to get there. I like Peter. Peter is C spot run. That's my kind of jam. But when 
Paul uses the word justification, just so that we're on the same sheet of music, it says, to render just or innocent, you're free to be righteous. Now, the next big word that we have to use is redemption. Redemption means it's a ransom paid in full. And Keith used the analogy of his credit card. His dad is way too generous. You can ask my 18-year-old. Anyways, long story short. So, re you know, when you're redeemed, that's a penalty that you can't pay, right? So now that we have those two keys understood, now we're going to jump into Romans chapter 5. Hopefully you brought your Bible. By the way, your kids are rocking it, bringing their Bibles. So if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, just grab your kids because usually they bring them. Never mind that I bribe them like crazy. So open your Bible to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. We're going to dive in. It says, therefore, since we have been justified, there's that big word, right? Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word therefore is, is exactly what I was saying. We're dragging the information that we had, the first, the first four chapters of Romans. We're, we're pulling that baseline into chapter 5. So the word therefore is a continuation of thought. Therefore builds off of, and we have to recognize the importance of the information that was left right at chapter 4. Which brings me to an unpopular subject. So we oftentimes like to use the word sin in a muted, watered-down sense. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the word sin and set it aside. And I want to use a different word. I want to use the word rebellion. And the reason why is this. When I tell my children, Zach, Derek, Nate, I want you to mow the lawn. Inevitably, you hear the, oh, it's hot outside. It's supposed to be 101 today. So you hear the, I don't want to. But the expectation is you mow the lawn, right? Now, if they don't and they go downstairs and they play Xbox, that is an act of rebellion. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, if they mow the lawn and the youngest, poor kid, I already dogged him first service. I'm going to dog him again second service. And the youngest runs over my curb and hits the concrete and you hear this. Rebellion or an accident? Okay. Our sin is in category number uno one. When my kids opt to not do what I tell them to do, what do you think my response is versus an accident? Go, dude, come on, right? Rebellion gets a little bit more attention, does it not? Good parents, give me a nod. There you go. But here in first world whitewashed sin reality that we like to play in, we want to treat all of our rebellion as the accident. Oh, I messed up. You didn't mess up. Oh, I, I, I slipped up. But yeah, look, I understand accidents. But when we look at Scripture, and when we look at the word sin, I want you to go to rebellion. Because that is what caused that. And what happens in today is we mute 
that. And we don't want to, we whitewash our, our sin. We, we look to the right, we look to the left, and I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I'm prettier than her. I'm, I, that would never come out of my mouth. Um, we whitewash, we whitewash what happens up here, and we, hey, nobody heard it. I'm good. Whoa, hold on a second. Christ paid with his life for junk like that. And it's, it's important to know that that rebellion puts us in a different category. What's the definition of an enemy? Well, according to the definition, an enemy is one who dislikes or hates another and seeks to harm, contradict, and fight the one he is set against. Well, jumping into Romans chapter 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. How about Colossians 1, 21? And you who are once, once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. We like to whitewash all that junk. Now listen, if you're a believer and you're sitting here today and you're saying, hey, Captain Obvious, I already know this. I got something for you. Just be patient. Just stay awake. Because this isn't an isolated case right here, okay? And for the non-believer where you're like, well, my sins don't count. I don't believe in this stuff. I'm giving you a little bit of a heads up. The Bible says you're heaping that on top of your head. You're heaping that. I'll get to that here in a second. So if you go back to Romans and continue on in that first verse, it says, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. Man, there's so much there to expand on. I, I, I listened to somebody, he's, he broke this whole this whole section up into four 52-minute sermons. You guys are lucky. You only get 25 with me. So right here, guys, I, I can't overstress this. We can strive our entire lives for peace and never attain it. Pre-Jesus, you can, you can, hey, I'm gonna live by the, whoever attains the most at the end wins or whoever gets the most at the end wins, right? You're always striving. You're always pursuing. Tom Brady has how many rings? He needs to lose, by the way, I'm just saying. But how many rings does that joker have? And when he's asked, hey, is another, are you done? No, and keep going. How about Bill Gates? This whole world is falling apart around him. He's got all the money that you can imagine. Does he have peace? Look, we can pursue and pursue everything that tries to fill that gap and never, ever have true peace. Um, what does the word access mean here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Good job. Access is a special word. For a guy that got a D in English 101, I have increasingly got... I was like, Tommy boy, woo, I passed. Anyways, I have nerded out on literature lately. That word access is only used two times in the New Testament, two times, one here and then one another. In both cases, the word access there means entrance to the king through the favor of another. 
English can't touch that, right? I mean, I just use the, throw out the word access there. It misses it. Entrance to the, not a king, the king through another. Does that not, come on, somebody's got to, come on, that's cool, right? That should give you goosebumps because that the word of God is no accident. It's not happen chance that that word is chosen to be used right here. We have access to the greatest resource, the, the most amazing, the most amazing thing. And, and let me ask you, do we use it? So it's interesting. Wearsby breaks this down as a Bible commentary. In the Old Testament, you had the tabernacle, right? And, and so the tabernacle is, a, in easy terms, it's a tent. But it was way more than that. In the heart of it was the Holy of Holies. Nobody could enter the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. You could only enter it one day a year and it had to be a Levitical priest. It had to be the high priest and it could only happen once a year. Now, on the exterior, there was another barrier. So only the Jews could go in the tabernacle. On the exterior of the tabernacle was a wall. No Gentile, which... I'm going to go out on a limb. Most of us are. Most, no Gentile could cross the wall. What would happen if they did? They would die. Now, fast forward time into the New Testament. Christ comes, dies on the cross. What happens to the veil? Torn from the top to the bottom. What happens to walls? Walls come tumbling down. That word access actually takes on real application right now because of the work in Christ. If you go back to Romans 5, 3, we're going to continue on. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Okay, this is not a popular topic, but I'm a king of hitting unpopular topics. Suffering, we don't want to talk about that. We're, we're in America, we don't, we, we be Americans, we don't suffer. Look, Jesus said, when tribulation comes, when suffering comes, it's not a matter of if, and I'm going to challenge each one of the believers in here Look, if, if we are not standing out where we are different from the culture and the world, I'm going to challenge you really hard right now. We should chafe against culture. We should chafe against the world. We should look different. We better look different. Because if we proclaim the work of Christ in us, there has to be application there. We have to. But the neat thing about suffering is this. Check out Acts 16, verse 25. Now, Paul and Silas, they were locked up. And when I say locked up, they're in jail. It's not a first world jail. Think of a third world times 10, usually under the streets and the sewer passed through it. They were in stocks in the dark. What were they doing? At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now check this out. And the other prisoners were listening to them. To a non-believer, it's crazy talk to be sitting with your chains on your feet and on your hands singing and praising God. That's craziness, is it not? But yet their testimony 
Look at how powerful their testimony is. Maybe you guys need something a little bit more contemporary. Let's go more contemporary. I'm a huge fan right now of three pastors in Canada. I follow one of them on, I hate Instagram, but I follow one of them. The only reason why I have that stupid thing is to follow that guy. Anyways, long story short. His name is uh, James Coates. He was one of the first pastors that were, were, was arrested for doing what God called him to do. He would not shut down his church. And he was arrested. As he did an interview, as his way to the prison, and you know what he says? I praise God that I get an opportunity. I get an opportunity to suffer for Christ. The, the vernacular is just crazy talk, right? You, you get an opportunity to look different. You get an opportunity to act different. And my question to the believer out there that's saying, yeah, 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 I know it. I'm going to challenge you. Do you? Do you really know it? And are you really living it? How about this? I dare you to pick up the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anybody read that? Raise your hand. Come on. This, wow, a lot more than first service which is three of us. I only could get two-thirds of the way through that. Read it. I, another dare. I, I dare you to read it because the testimony there is phenomenal. If I would have gone back in time, let's say 50 years and said, raise your hand if you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, I bet 75% of them would have raised their hands. You got, we, we need to be, look, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but seriously, we need to look different. This is the application, uh, you know, I, uh, all of that, by the way, was the intro. <laughs> Are you ready for this? All right, well, let's get back to Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. Um, Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, for while we were still weak, and at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Let me ask you something. This is a participation time. Best running back of all time. Raise your hand. First service was more awake. Best running back all time. Jim Brown. That was said first service. That's interesting. Come on. Yeah, in the back. Yo. Okay. Cam Sayers. Whatever. Whatever. Marshawn Lynch. Come on. Hey, that's my brother right there. Love the guy. Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders. I, I have the mic so you can't argue. So listen, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, both came from the same location. You know what made those guys so spectacular? They would hit the line. Barry did it best. He stepped back and he'd watch the play unfold. He'd see the hole and then bam, he'd explode into the backfield. You know what made, it, what made him so special is timing. It had, he wasn't Marshawn Lynch. He wasn't the big, Barry Sanders was, was tiny. He didn't have brute force, but you know what he had? He had timing. And who better to understand timing than the author of timing? So if you have your sermon guides, the point number one is why then? Why then? Why did Jesus come when he did? So my brain does two things. He goes, I go logically and then I go spiritually. First of all, logically, it had to be then. Pilate was born for such a time as that. Judas, the betrayer, was born for such a time as that. Rome had perfected that horrible thing. 
Rome came along and built the Roman roads. It was no accident. It was no accident. And for the unbeliever that's sitting out there that's saying, you know what, Jesus was just a good guy. You can't prove anything. Here's the deal. There's more documented proof for that than there is for me standing right here in front of you speaking. You got to quit asking, asking that question. Start asking, why would he do that? The next thing, okay, that's the logical side of my brain. The next thing is the spiritual. And this is where we got to camp out for a second. While we were still weak, Christ came and died. Listen, that word weak, I'm going to nerd out for a second. That word weak is too weak for weak. That isn't, that, that word is so weak. Weak right there is actually the word helpless. Helpless, useless. You, you literally can't do anything. I use this analogy and this is pretty hard. Imagine taking a newborn child and setting them in the Owyhee Desert and saying, I live 24 miles that way, good luck. They're not going to make it. They're helpless. They're absolutely helpless. So why did Jesus come? Well, because I, and now you can personalize it, I, you, are still weak. That's when he came. When we were at our our weakest. Ephesians 2.1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Colossians 2.13 says, when you were dead in your transgressions. And, and, and it continues on there. Raise your hand if you've seen The Princess Bride. You watched Princess Bride, but you... Okay, anyways, all right, listen. I grew up with two older sisters and they made me watch every stupid, ridiculous Comedy, romantic comedy, and that was one of them. I actually like this one, though. I actually like this one. Do you remember the scene where they took the main character, Wesley, into uh, Miracle Max's kitchen, and they drop him on the kitchen table, and they say, hey, we heard that you can bring people back to life, and he goes, he's dead. And Miracle Max goes, nah, let's do a check. So he takes the arm, and he raises it, and he drops it. Does it again. And he goes, well, good news. Your friend is only mostly dead. And, and the main actor goes, well, what happened if he's totally dead? And he goes, well, then we rummage through his pockets and get all the loose change. Here's a problem that I got. We treat our theology like that. We were only mostly dead. There was something that God saw in me. He looked down through corridor and something occurred to him that, hey, he's actually a good dude. Let's, let's, let's call him. Let's wake him up, spiritually speaking. Hey, you know what? He's not a bad guy. Guys, that's not in scripture. How is it that we've over, we've made the word dead useless here? It's Christ and Christ alone. When it says dead there, you might you could take that out and say enemy combatant. I use my guns towards God. My sin, my rebellion made me an enemy combatant towards God. And I died on the battlefield pointing my guns at God. And yet at, I was absolutely dead. It's him that walks through the battlefield and does that. It's not me. 
Why, why is it that our theology has taken such a weak approach to the word dead? It's used multiple times. Let's, all right, I got to get off that because I was on my soapbox. I went a little bit longer there. Anyways, let's get back to Romans. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood. All right, Keith made a good, a good uh, comment on this. He said, listen, if you're here and you're like, what's with this blood stuff? In this context, in this context, when Paul says by his blood, that's referring to the violence at which he poured out his blood. I dare you to, uh, here's another dare. Go watch Passion of Christ. Go watch it. Come back and, and come back and talk to me about that. The violence of that thing the, is, is beyond me. Anyways, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him. Circle the by. If you write in your Bible, circle by him from the wrath of God. I got to stop right here. I, I, I got to do this. We, in today's culture, want to hear love, peace. We want to hear all the lovey stuff. Be nice to people. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Look, God is love. Hear me when I say that. God is love. But we want to forget about God is just. God is righteous. And a righteous and just God does not wink at our whitewashed rebellion. He doesn't. And when we go through life thinking, I'm actually not that bad in comparison. No, you're bad. You're bad. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus, right? All right, how much more by him with the, from the wrath of God? Okay. For if while we were enemies, there's that enemies thing again, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in him through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him who we have now received reconciliation. To me, those verses are so clear that there's lit literally nothing that Vaughn can do apart from resting in Christ. There's just nothing, which begs point number two, why him? Look, I could stand up here. I, the last time I spoke, I actually did an entire sermon on Christology. The study of Jesus. I would challenge you, go back. And if Focal Point Ministry does an entire 12, I think it's 12 or 13 week study on, on Christ. I'm pointing over to Roger because we went through it together. Listen, I, go there, check it out. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy to the T, to the T. And yet we still say, some people say, yeah, he's just a good dude. Statistically, historically, logically, it's time that people start say, stop saying if, if he was who he says he is, if, and start asking why. Which brings me to the next one. Since it was the right time, then we have nothing to boast in. Man, I can't hit this hard enough. I can't hit this hard enough. You, we have zero to bring to the table. We, we got nothing to offer. It's not like you can drop all your savings. God's like, really? That's it? 
I don't want that. Lastly, and this is where I really need to expound on. We have everything we need for godly living, but yet we don't act like it. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, His divine power has granted us to, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who, who called us to his own glory and excellence. Okay, so I think it was a week ago. I took uh, Nate, my middle son. I took my son on a dirt bike riding trip in Bend, Oregon. And we met, meet a bunch of guys there and all of us are believers. We're all men that actively profess Christ as our Lord and Savior. The second we roll up there, it couldn't have been five or 10 minutes. We're sitting around the table having some Cokes. And you know what the conversation went to? Politics, vaccines, masks, closures, the future, economy, and you just go down the list. The only man in that entire group was a 15-year-old because when we got in the truck, he called me out. He's like, Dad, who's God? He goes, this, this right here is not helpful. Why are, why are we here? And look, I, I understand. We, could talk, we can talk about that. But we are sitting in this church right now. And if you're a believer, how many conversations have gone that route? How many conversations are, wow, I miss the good old days. Look, if, if we are truly saved, let's play a Lego game, shall we? Each Lego plays off the other. I'm a kid's pastor. So go with me on this. Each Lego the first one is if we are justified, then we can take the next block and then that means we're, we have salvation. The next one is we're redeemed. We have been bought and paid for, right? If all three of those Lego blocks are in check, right? Guess what we have? We have access. We have access to the throne room of God. And if we have access, we're gonna keep building on our Legos here. If we have access, guess what? We have peace with God. Amen, somebody. We have peace with God, right? Thank you. I couldn't imagine not having peace with God. And because I have peace with God, I have joy. I should have, but I don't actively live there. The last one is we should have hope. And, and I broke this down a little bit earlier. If I've already done this, just, just stay with me. That word hope is not, that's a weak word for hope. I hope that it rains tomorrow. It's 101 today. I hate heat. Anyways, I hope that it rains tomorrow. That's not this hope. This hope is I expect, I want to change the word to expect. God to raise that sun tomorrow. That's that level of hope. It's an expectant feeling. You're looking forward to something that, and I don't get into name it and claim it, but on this, you can claim this. God is who he says he is and we can rest in that hope. We can rest there. Look, there's, there's uh, two types of people here. Two types of people, or maybe three, two types of people. Look, if you're a believer and you're like, yeah, 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 Captain Obvious, I get that, I get that. Look, I, 
then, then how about this? If I walk up on a conversation, act like it. Act like you have joy. Act like you have peace. Act like you have hope. Because guess what? The world is watching you. You know, I, uh, community is a big deal. Today we're launching our on- online, online service, right? Community is a big deal. Over the corridors of my life, I can honestly say I've had men come alongside me at the perfect time. Nothing is an accident. Absolutely nothing is an accident. So I work part-time for the church and I have a full-time secular job. In my secular job, God has put a man of God literally in my hip pocket. He calls, we're like two school gar- girls, 13-year-old girls talking on the phone every single day. And you know what he says? Vaughn, at 5.15 this morning, he's texting me saying, Vaughn, I'm praying for you. May God use you today. At 5.15 in the morning, God sends the right guy to walk alongside me there. And then in my, in my spiritual walk with With the church, God has put another guy right beside me to keep me straight. Look, as we go through suffering, as we go through difficulties, God puts the right people around us to keep us in check. And when we suffer, when we struggle, there's a family going through a horrible situation right now. I pray that there's somebody right next door to them saying, you got this, God's got you all the way through it. And even though we're launching an online service, if you're missing that community, reach out. Because God can, can connect you to good godly people. Satan wants you isolated. And I went on that tangent for a reason. Because maybe you're here today and you haven't reached out to somebody that needs you. Then, then literally live like you have access, please. Right? All of us should live like we have access. As the worship team gets ready to come out, I... I want to I want to jump into the maybe the person that's here today and and you're like I have been raging against something I don't know what it is. I have been searching for something I don't know what it is. I'm always looking for that next rung and when I get there I'm like Tom Brady, it's not enough. Guess who's at the door knocking right now for you? Yeah, that's your, hey, wake up call. I just gave it to you. That's the gospel. He's calling you. You can legitimately have peace. Like peace that you're just like, it's, it's okay. It's, my sins are forgiven. My rebellion is forgiven. Maybe you're here today and that's you. you didn't, this was no accident I know it's hot in here. I know you guys are staying awake. It's no, it's no accident that you heard those words. Now, please, please listen to them. And maybe you're the, the last category of the true non-believers. Like everything that I said, look, I got peace and all the money that I want. And I just came here because mom made me bring the kids and I have to be here. I said this in the first service too. I said, I, I hear some people say, I just bring the kids so that they can hear what Jesus is all about, but that Jesus stuff isn't for me. That's an oxymoron, right? I, I, I just want to be like, what about you? Lead your family. Yeah, I say some pretty hard stuff, but maybe, maybe you're just sitting here today and you're like, none of that made sense. Listen, I dare you to keep coming back. Keep coming back. I applaud that you've made it this far. Please keep coming back. 
As with every one of the services, we've given people an opportunity to respond. And I'm not, I'm not that guy, hey, close your eyes and raise your hand and elbow your neighbor. No, no, listen, we're not doing that. If you are here today and you're a believer and you've not been living like you have access, you're not living in peace, joy, and hope, and you want that, I'm gonna invite you to stand up. Go ahead, stand up. May, thank you. That takes guts. Anybody else got guts? Yes, let's celebrate this. Yes, yes. Hey, maybe, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm in that other category, pastor, where Jesus is knocking at the door. And I don't know what this is all about, but I want that. Stand up, stand up. If that's you, stand up. And if, if, if that's too big of a, of a jump, come find me afterwards. Come find me. Guys, it's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus. Is it not? Let's everybody stand up really quick. Let's, let's pray with these guys. And then, uh, and then I've got one announcement and I'm going to cut you guys loose. God, thank you for these, these that have come. And God, thank you that the, the people that are online at the end of my voice, God, thank you for them. Thank you for this message. But more importantly, Lord, thank you for your word. It's so true. We can rest in your truth and your peace and your joy and your hope. God, thank you. Lord, I pray for protection over this congregation as they go. Keep them in you, Lord. I, I, these families that are hurting and broken right now, the ones that are really struggling, I pray that somebody walks alongside of them. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, before you go, listen. Your kids' department needs good people. It's busting, and my wife's the only one up there. So if you have a heart for kids, sign up. Get in the game. If you have a heart for the parking team, I think my 13-year-old's out there directing traffic. You need to help. I'm surprised I haven't heard a No, sorry, Zach, if you're in here. Listen, get in the game. Sign up. We love you so much. Go in grace. We love you. Have a good afternoon.